Good morning again. Uh, we're going to make this real easy. This will be the shortest sermon you've ever heard in the history of Awaken. We're talking about tithing. So go ahead and pull out your wallet. Pull out your wallet and just pass that to the person next to you and we'll collect those at the uh, end of the aisle. So shortest sermon ever given. How's that? No. Uh, how many of you guys have, uh, some of you guys look a little nervous. <laughs> how many of you guys, uh, you'll, you'll catch on to my humor soon. Um, my wife thinks it's great, by the way. But uh, how many of you guys uh, ha- have been to the doctor before? How many of you guys have been to the doctor, yeah? How many of you guys, like me, were accident-prone as a little kid and you were living at the doctor's? Yeah, okay, a couple of us. Um, I remember just breaking bones and getting stitches. And at one point, the doctor thought my parents were abusing me. I was in there so much, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I had to assure the doctor, no, they're, they're, they're all right. My parents are all right. But... Uh, I remember one time um, I was supposed to have surgery, but that same month I broke my wrist and uh, it didn't heal right. So they had to re-break my wrist, okay, for it to heal right. Talk about archaic. Um, I think they have better ways to do that nowadays. And then uh, the same month I had stitches right here from falling off my bicycle. Actually, I still have a little scar here. So my wife finds it kind of sexy. But uh, um, anyways, <clears throat> how many of you guys, when you go to the doctor, they start prodding and poking at, at like your your like like if you sprain a wrist or something, they, what do they do? They like prod and poke and say, "Does that hurt?" Right, right. The same thing is probably going to happen in here. Possibly, if the area of tithing is a little bit hard for some of us, as I prod and poke as the doctor, it's going to hurt a little bit, right? And so I'm excited to get into this series. Uh, or, or into this message this morning as we continue our series uh, about uh, bailout, about finances. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about what? Uh, I think the first week we just talked about the idea that the money that we have is not ours, right? It's God's. God has given us. He's entrusted it to us, right? And then we talked about coming up with your business plan. You know, what is the vision that God has given you with your life? Not letting your finances run your life, but letting your life run your finances. Does that make sense? And so we said, what is the vision that God has called you to? And how are you using the gifting, the, the gifts, the, the, the finances that God has given you to accomplish that vision? Last week, uh, we, we, uh, we had a good time as, as I was shackled. And we talked about the bondage that we often are in when it comes to our finances and how the, uh, the, 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 our finances will bind us from accomplishing sometimes what God wants us to accomplish. And so this week, then, we're going to pick up in that series and we're going to talk about tithing and what the scripture says about tithing. If you remember, we've thrown out a bunch of different statistics about how many times God has talked about uh, money within the scriptures. And I think I had mentioned it's like one in every 10 verses and all of scripture has something to do with our finances. So it's amazing. God talks more about finances than he does prayer in heaven combined. And so I think God had a good idea of some of the things that we would struggle with within our lifetime. And one of the major ones, obviously, is finances, right? And so I want you to turn to Leviticus. And uh, <clears throat> because I want you to see this verse firsthand so that you know I'm not just pulling this out of somewhere. Leviticus chapter 27, it's going to be near the beginning of your Bible. It's one of the first five books. And the first five books in the Bible are called the Pentateuch. So go ahead and turn to Leviticus chapter 27. We're just going to look at one verse there before we move on. Leviticus 
Leviticus 27, verse 30. Okay, and it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the who? To the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And so what this verse is telling us early on in Scripture we are told that a tithe is to be given back to God for what He has given us, correct? Do you know what the word tithe means? I actually have the uh, the Hebrew word here. It's ma'aser. Ma'aser. Can you say ma'aser? Now, I'm going to ask you to say that ten times fast. No, I'm not. <laughs> Might hear some things we don't want to hear. Um, but uh, ma'aser, what that means is a tenth. Okay? So what God is telling us here is, a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, whatever we are given belongs to who? To the Lord. And it is holy to who? To the Lord. Absolutely. Now, now we could sit here and we could say, well, you know, hold on, Mike. Hold on, Pastor Mike. This is Old Testament, right? I've heard those arguments. This is Old Testament. I want you to turn to a passage in Matthew, okay? I love this passage. Matthew 23. Turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. And here in a second, we'll, uh, we'll settle on uh, just a, one, two other passages we'll spend more time in. But I wanted to show you this. Matthew 23, verses 23 and 24. So we read that verse in Leviticus, and it says that a tenth is to be given back to God of what he gives us. Okay, Now, we could sit here and we'd say, well, well wait a minute, that is, that's Old Testament. Well, let's see what Jesus says in the New Testament. Verse, verse 23 of chapter 23, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law. Just, this is Jesus speaking. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. It says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, Okay, so the Pharisees are given a tenth and look what Jesus says. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. It says you've neglected justice and mercy and faithfulness. Now, look what Jesus says. He says you should have practiced the latter justice, mercy, faithfulness. Look at this without neglecting the what? The former. So Jesus is still abiding to what? The 10%, the tithe that was talked about in Leviticus. And, and we could go through, and I've heard arguments that say, well, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is all under the law. We are no longer under the law. That's right. Praise God, we are not under the law. You know what Jesus says, though? He says that, that because we're not under the law anymore, <clears throat> he, well, let, let me say this. This is, I was actually looking at this this week. I wasn't going to say it, but it's going to be really good is uh, <clears throat> Jesus tells us in the Old Testament under the Ten Commandments, we're not supposed to murder, right? That's what the Old Testament says. What did Jesus say we're not supposed to do? Hate your, hate your brother or sister, right? That's quite a big difference, isn't it? Okay, in the Old Testament, it says we're not supposed to commit adultery, right? What does the New Testament say? What does Jesus tell us? He abolishes the law and he says, oh, don't commit adultery, but don't do what? Lust. See how he's raising the bar, and he does that when it comes to the idea of our finances, too. He says, I just don't want your tenth. I want all of you. Wow. 
Let's continue on. Did you know that the average Christian gives about 2% of their income? The average Christian gives about 2% of their income. Did you know that only about 3% of those that claim to follow Christ give? We're going to get more into that in a little bit. I want, I want to show you something here, though. I want, to, I want to put this in a little more simple terms. How many of you guys bake? Anybody bake pies? Anybody bake pies? I'm coming over to your house later. So these are like store-bought pies. <laughs> See, here, here's a pie, okay? And uh, <clears throat> how many of you guys have ever seen those like pie-eating contests? These guys like devour like 10 of these things. Oh, man, they make you sick. Uh, anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a pie, right? And so say this is what God has given you, okay? This is uh, for, 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 uh, for this month, okay? These are the, the blessings that God has given you, okay? And so what do we do with this? We, we, we cut this pie up and we say, well, you know, what's the first thing that we end up doing with a big portion of this pie? Where's it go? To our mortgage and housing and, and utilities and that sort of thing, right? Right? See if I can get this out of here. Yeah, maybe. And so there's a big portion of that, of what God has given us, goes immediately to pay for our crib. Right? Don't you know that that's what they called it? It's your crib. Okay. <clears throat> so that there's the portion for our housing. Now, you know, you got that uh, <clears throat> that nice little phone, too. I remember house phones would cost you like 20 bucks, right? I mean, now you're talking like 150 bucks for a phone. So there, there's another big portion of your pie, okay? So you can talk to your mom out of state. <clears throat> what else do we, what else comes out of here? Yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, gas, right? Man. Somebody want to give me a ride home today? <laughs> What carpool? So, so food, okay? I got to eat part of this pie too. And then you end up with, uh, you know, car payment and gas, you know, all those kind of things, right? Right? And then, uh, <clears throat> and then don't forget about, you know, doctor bills. You know, a portion of that pie goes to doctor bills, you know. A portion of that pie goes to uh, credit cards and all that kind of stuff, right? Right? And then we're left and we're torn, right? We have, we have this much pie left and we say, well, you know what? I haven't done anything fun yet this week. I've got to go do something fun. So we say, all right, you know, I'll, I'll just take, you know, a little bit here. We'll go do something fun. A little more fun. There we go. What's life without fun? And then we get get to church on Sunday and we, oh, shoot. Well, here, God, I think I can scrape together a little bit. It's really good pie, God. Thanks for giving it to me. 
Here, God. I'll get you a little more. There we go. There. And our pie is broken up for the month. And we say, here, God, that is what I have left. Does that sound familiar? Apple, pretty good. Now, there's something in Scripture that is a little bit hard to understand. Okay, We're told in Scripture that God will bless your 90%. Because again, he's asking for a tenth, right? So, so what are we supposed to do at the beginning of the month? God says, give to me my what? 10%, my tithe. Okay. Now a tithe and an offering are different. If you look through scripture, a tithe and an offering are different. An offering is over the tithe. Okay. We're just talking about a tithe. The standard tithe that God wants us to give to his work. Okay, and so we're supposed to say, okay, here, God, here is my my tenth, okay? Here we go. Here, God, here is my full tenth of of what your word asks me to give back to you that is already what? Rightfully God's, right? And so we say, okay, here, God, here is your tenth. And and then what is amazing, guys, which is beyond our our ability to comprehend, and this is in the spiritual realm, is that God will take and bless this more than he will bless the entire pie. Does that make sense? So God will take and stretch out 90% more so than what he will 100%. I'll show you some verses here in a sec. And then God says, take this then and use this at your discretion. God trusts us with this. Okay? It's a trade-off. I personally have seen God do more with this than I've seen God do with an entire pie. It's a trade-off. Okay? I know you guys are probably thinking, wait a minute. You want me to give what? 10%? You know, ten percent of say, you know, a hundred dollars is what? Ten dollars, right? You know, okay, maybe I won't go to McDonald's today, which I really don't need to go to anyways, right? <clears throat> Make you sick afterwards, anyways. Um, so we say, oh, ten dollars, not a big deal. Then we 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 get we receive maybe a thousand dollars, and so we have to write a check for how much? A hundred dollars. You're like, oh, a hundred, yeah. That's still, you know, and maybe for some reason we are blessed and God gives us a hundred thousand dollars. And now we have to write a check back to God for ten thousand dollars. That check is a little bit harder to write, isn't it? 
Because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what could I do with $10,000? Man, I could have a pretty cool, some pretty cool things, right? You know, I could get that car instead of this car, right? You know? So it makes it a little bit more difficult. But I want to show you something that uh, you, you think that 10% is radical. Turn to John 12. Turn to John 12. I want to show you something that may seem even more radical than this. John 12, verses 1 through 8. For the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. We're getting ready to enter into a season as a church, but also a season within our calendar year where where God has set certain things in place where people are more spiritually open than other times. And that time of year is Easter, right? We're about two months away from Easter right now. And I am excited to see how God will take people and raise them from death to life. So we look at Lazarus, and Lazarus was raised from the dead, right? I personally, I get excited and I say, what a miracle when I look around the room and I say, that person was dead, but now because of Jesus, they are alive. Let's continue on. In verse 2, it says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. It says, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. I want you to picture in your mind somebody that you know that does not know Christ that needs to be here on Easter Sunday praying that they go from death to life. I want you to picture that person in your mind because that is just what is happening here. Lazarus is sitting at the table. He has come from death to life, literally, and he's reclining at the table. And I get excited and pumped up. Even And that's what this is all about. I get excited and pumped up when I start thinking about people that are far from God, people that need Jesus in their life, and I start picturing them reclining at a table with me, with us, after they have given their lives to Christ. There is nothing else in the world that excites me more than that. And I would dare to say that if that does not excite you, then I would question, have you found life? Have you found life? Do you remember where God has brought you from? Let's continue on. Verse 3, it says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. And it says this was what? An expensive perfume. This perfume that she's about to use was worth a year's worth of wages. All right, so, so in today's terms, think, you know, average of $40,000, $50,000. This perfume was worth that much money. And what did she do with it? <clears throat> she poured, it says, look here, uh, verse 3, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, says she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. What would be your reaction if you're sitting around a table and somebody took out a year's worth of wages and poured it on Jesus' feet? Whoa, wait, 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 no, no, no. Ah, man, you know what we could have done with that? That's what Judas says, right? And there's, you know, Bible names. You like to name your kids Bible names like Malachi. You know, it's a strong, ugh, Malachi. 
right? Um, don't name your kid Judas or Jezebel, all right? Just not a good idea, all right? But uh, let's continue here. <clears throat> and it says, uh, Judas, find my place here, verse 6, he did not say, uh, I'm sorry, verse 5, but one of his, verse 4, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the whom? The poor. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about whom? The poor. But because he was a thief. Judas a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So what did Jesus say? Verse 7. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So what caused Mary to take and dump this a year's worth of wages of perfume on Jesus' feet? I think there's two things. I think one, she knew who Jesus was. Okay, She knew who Jesus was. Our lives are way too small to give ourselves the glory. My life is way too small and too insignificant for me to give myself the glory. Mary realized that and she said, I want to give glory to Jesus Christ because she knew who he was. She had seen people go from death to life. She had experienced going from death to life. She had seen her brother go death to life. She knew who Jesus was. It shouldn't be what we get, but instead what we can give. Shouldn't it? Because again, what we've talked about is what I have is not mine. It's what I've been entrusted with. And there's parable after parable after parable, stories that Jesus is telling about that same principle. But Mary didn't just know who Jesus was. She knew what he had done. Again, she's sitting at the table where people have gone from death to life. She personally and spiritually in her life has gone from death to life. She remembers what Jesus had done, not just in her brother's life, but also within her life. Remember what God has done within your life. Remember where you were before you knew Christ. For some of you, remember where you were before God brought you here. Think about what God has done within your life. You know, it's like a, uh, <clears throat> it's like when, when, when you go out of town, you ask a friend to check your mail, right? I mean, anytime that I'm out of town, I ask somebody, I say, hey, would you mind stopping over a couple times during the week? And just kind of check my mail, gather my mail, you know, put it inside. That way people, my neighbors and, and uh, the, the, the bros know that, uh, <clears throat> know, know that, uh, that they don't know that I'm gone, right? And so I get back and, and what would I do if, if the, 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 my buddy that I asked to check the mail 
and he says, uh, hey, you know, you had this bill that came in while you were gone, and, uh, and I, I paid that for you. What would be my response? Which bill was it? <laughs> right? You know, if it's summertime and it's a gas bill, it's like, oh, cool, that, that's cool. Thanks, man, you paid my $8 gas bill. That, that's all right. Cool, man. What a, what a great offer. I appreciate it. But what if that week that I was gone, my mortgage payment came in? And he says, hey, you know, while you were gone, your, your mortgage payment came in, and, and I, I just paid that for you. What would be my response? What would be your response? Oh, my gosh, you paid my, my, my what? My, my mortgage? Man, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. What will I be able to do now because I no longer have a mortgage payment? Wow, thank you. How much gratitude would you have towards your friend? I'd be like, hey, I'm going out of town next week. You want to you wanna <laughs> check my mail next week? Right, right? But guys, Jesus paid more than just your mortgage payment. I want that to soak in. Jesus paid more than just your mortgage payment. He paid it all. And that is something that Mary realized. And she said, you know, whatever I have, it's, it's not worth anything compared to what you've, the price that you've paid for me. I, I want you to turn to Malachi 3. This will be the last place we go. Malachi 3. <clears throat> so if you go back just, just before Matthew, it's the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi 3. As you're doing that, I want to ask you two questions. What did Judas betray Jesus with? What did he betray him with? Money, right? Yeah, money. And what do we call people like Judas? A thief, right? Yeah, yeah. Judas betrayed Jesus with money, and we call him a thief. And that's what he was called here in the passage we looked at in John 12, right? I want you to look back here in Malachi 3.6. Again, this is like the doctor, right? You know, if there's a little part that maybe isn't, isn't healed right or isn't, isn't right within our body, this, this could poke a little bit, okay? Malachi 3, verse 8. Uh, actually, I want to back up just, just a verse before it says, God says to his people, return to me and I will what? Return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And, and, then, Jesus, uh, and then God says, but you ask, how are we to return? So the people are asking, God, how are we supposed to return to you? And God says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? Now, now that word rob, okay, in the Hebrew it is kaba. Okay, that word is kaba. And you know what that word means? It means to defraud. So God says, why will you defraud me? Why will you spoil me? Why will you rob me? That word also means, why would you embezzle from me? It's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? I'm pulling this straight out of Scripture, guys. God says to his people, why would you embezzle from me? And it says, but you ask, how do we embezzle from you? How do we rob from you? God responds in your tithes and offerings. He says, verse 9, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. 
bring, and God says this. Look at this. This is one of the few times that you see in scripture where God says, test me. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the whole 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. It says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. We are the richest nation in the world. Did you guys know that? The richest nation in the world. But I want you to think about something. Think about our greed. I heard a stat that said that in, in, in America, if we as Americans would go all a whole year without ice cream. How many of you guys had, have had ice cream last week? It was nice weather, right? It was like, let's, let's go get some ice cream. It's frozen yogurt, yogurt though. I'm allowed frozen yogurt. But, uh, that's the stat I came across said that if we as Americans would not eat ice cream for a whole year, the money that we would spend on that ice cream as a nation could solve world hunger. Could solve world hunger. That's a stat that I run across this week preparing for this morning. Think about the greed of our country. What is one of the most popular shows that's on cable TV? I think it's called Hoarders or something, right? People that just gather stuff after stuff. They consume and consume and consume. And it cripples them. You know, what is the one of the thri- number one thriving businesses in our country today? Storage units to put things in that we don't really need, but we can't fit them in our house, right? You know, we're a nation that owns cars to look at, not to drive. You know, we're we're a nation that has furniture that you don't sit on. You know, don't sit on that couch to look at, right? You know, we're... we're, We're a nation that has dishes that we don't eat off of. We consume and consume and consume. Do you, do you remember as a kid, like being at a store and getting lost? You guys remember that? Sometime, I can remember different times I'd be at a store and I got lost. I freaked my mom out. I remember not too long ago, Riley, Connie and I and the kids were at a store. I think it was like like a Target or something. We were looking at at kids' clothes. And, you know, Riley <clears throat> Riley will talk to anybody. I think it's great. She'll talk to anybody. Um, and so we're, we're kind of looking at clothes and stuff. And kind of you, you kind of lose track sometimes. You know, I'm thinking, well, Riley's with Connie. Connie's thinking, well, Riley's with me. And then the next thing you know, we're... Where, where's Riley? You know, Malachi is like, oh, right? Yeah. And Connie, you know, is Riley? And Connie's like, no. And I'm like, well, she's, she's not here with me. 
And as a parent, you start, you start kind of freaking out, right? You're like, where's my kid? And, and, and so, you know, the store's crowded, so we're bumping into people, you know, pushing people out of the way, right? You know, where's Riley? Where's my kid? You know, start, start yelling, Riley! Riley! Right? And we end up finding her. She's over here, you know, looking at a pretty dress or something, right? Like, Riley, please, don't do that again. Right? You know how much I care about Riley? God cares more about people than that. Those people that are far from him, God cares more than I care about my own daughter. And God is walking through life and he's saying, Bobby, Bobby, I'm right. Bobby, come here. Bobby, he's pushing people out of the way because Bobby needs to find Jesus. You see, God has blessed you so that you can build his kingdom, not your kingdom. And when I say that, I'm not saying that you can't have nice things. Okay, I'm not saying that you can't go do fun things. But what I am saying is, are we giving back to God what is rightfully God's? Are we embezzling from God? That, that is exactly what Malachi is talking about. And I've shown you, it's not just Old Testament. Jesus is saying more even in the New Testament. Sometimes I wonder if Satan is not the one that's holding back God's kingdom from growing. Sometimes I wonder if it's greedy Christians. It's a pretty powerful statement to make, isn't it? I, I want to apologize to those in this room that may not know Christ yet, may have not made a decision to follow Christ, or maybe those in the room who have recently given their life to Christ, I want to apologize to you on behalf of the church because we as the church have blown it. What if we as the church came together and gave God rightfully back what is God's? How many more people could we see God bring into his kingdom? We have a responsibility in that, guys. We really do. That passage of Malachi, God says, what? Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the storehouses and bless you. And I'm not going to stand up here and preach and say, hey, you should give because you'll get. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying we need to give back to God what is rightfully already his. Because people's lives depend on it. They depend on it. You know, and God is not saying, you know, test me in this. Start with one and a half percent. Jesus is not saying, test me in this and start with, you know, five percent, then we'll raise it to seven, then eight, then we'll be at ten. That, I don't see that anywhere in scripture, guys. And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand up here and preach that. I'm gonna say God is saying, test me in this and give me the full tithe and watch me bless you. You know, it, 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 there, there's, we, we think that, you know, well, when I make more, I'll, I'll be able to give. 
Let me read these stats to you I came across. On average, those that make about $10,000 a year give 5.2%. So we would think, okay, well, those that make like thirty-five dollars to $50,000 a year, you know, an average salary, that those people would probably give more, right? They give less. They give 3.1%. Well, you know, what, if, what about those that are extremely wealthy? You know, they make 200 ks a year. Well, they've got to give more than the 5.2 or the 3.1. No, 0.07%. So I don't want us to sit here and believe the lie that, well, you know, I'll do that when I make a little bit more because it doesn't happen. And God is not saying, wait. God is saying, test me in this. It's like jumping into a swimming pool. I I don't know about you guys, but if the water is really cold, what do you guys do? Some people just kind of like step in, you know, it takes them like a half hour to get in the pool. By then, we're already done and out, right? It's like, just get in the pool. You jump into the pool, you get used to it real quick, right? That is the same idea here. God is saying, test me in this and watch me bless you. It makes me wonder how many blessings are we holding back from God blessing us? What is God wanting to do in our lives that we're not allowing him to do? I, I want to be real honest here, if, if, if I may. Just two months ago, I, I, you guys, most of you know, I moved here. My wife and I moved here to start the church, okay, about two, two and a half years ago. And we've been working towards it, and we're at a great place right now, getting ready for Easter, and we're so excited for what God's going to do and the people that God is going to change, and we're excited for the people that God has already changed and transformed. Beginning of January, up until January, I actually worked a different job, okay? God has given me the ability to to do engineering work. And so I used that and leveraged that for as long as I could to try to to see a way can reach people and see lives changed. And the last half of 2010, I I prayed and, and sought God and said, God, what is the next step for Awaken? And I met with other leaders, some of the leadership of the church and some leaders outside the church. What is the next step for Awaken? And the overwhelming response was, Mike, you need to go full-time with this ministry. And guys, I'm not preaching this message because it's like, hey, we need to... uh." I'm preaching this message because it's Scripture. And I promised God a long time ago, God, I will not preach something that's not in your word. And I will preach everything that's in your word. Because I want God to bless you. To bless this, to bless us, to use us. And so the beginning of January, I took a step of faith, my wife and I both, our family, and I went full-time with the ministry here. I wanted to go full-time to be your pastor so that I can help people that are struggling with things, so that I can... help those that are growing in leadership so, so that I can spend more time on trying to reach this city around us 
so that I can sit in the hospitals and share Jesus with somebody who's dying and doesn't know Jesus? So that I can sit across the lunch table from somebody that is in desperate need of Jesus, that thinks pastors and churches are, are crazy? As I form a relationship with this guy? You know, as to, to gather a band, we have a band that's going to start playing in two weeks. I'm so excited for that. One of the reasons I'm excited is, man, it's a full band up here. Picture that, just our worship and praise back to God. But I'm also excited because that's going to gather in some more people that don't know Jesus. And so, and I could go on and on and on of different other opportunities. You know, a guy whose mom died been able to meet and talk with a little bit. You know, people who are far from from Jesus. To network with other churches and say, hey, what can we do to impact this city together? But we took a step of faith. You know, half of that money, if you receive the bulletin on the way in, you're going to see a little chart in there and it says, what we have as a goal as a church is that we as a church would raise $50,000 for this year. And then there's about $60,000. We're almost halfway. We're about $60,000 of our budget then is raised from outside the church. That's a responsibility I took on myself and said, I will raise that money from outside the church, from either churches, other individuals, other organizations that believe in seeing awake and reach people for Jesus here in Virginia Beach. And so our responsibility then as a church, as a church plant, a new church getting started, our responsibility of our budget, and I'll show you our budget if you guys want to see it. Come, come talk to me. I'll show it to you. Our responsibility as a church is to raise $50,000 for the year. And I think uh, uh, that's estimated as like $4,100 a month or something like that. And so that we, we handed out some sheets to show you exactly where we are. Because this church is not just here for you. And it is. Okay, this church is here for you. But you are also here for this church to further God's kingdom. It's true. That is what it means to become part of the body of Christ. And so I I want to challenge you as we wrap up here. I want to give you a challenge. The worship team can go ahead and come up. I want to give you a challenge. This is one of the few times in Scripture where God says, test me in this. And I want us as a church to test Him in this. Okay? And I want to give you a challenge as a church, and I want to say if you are willing today to commit from this day on for the next three months to give 10% of your income, Hear this from my mouth. And again, I'm saying this because God says, test me. I want, I want you to test him. And if you give 10% for the next three months and God doesn't bless you in some way, some way, I don't know what that even is. But if God does not bless you in some way, come talk to me and we'll write you a check for all that money back. And I'm not bargaining with you. I, I am taking what scripture says and I'm saying, let's test God together in this. Because I believe that you, like Mary, can say, I know who Jesus is, and I know what he's done. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for how direct you are in your word. You don't, you don't mix words. Lord, you tell us directly what you expect from us, how you want us to live our lives. So Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would get our finances right. And the first step in doing that, Jesus, is to say, God, we are going to give back to you what is already rightfully yours. So Jesus, I pray, Lord, that those that you want to challenge here this morning would hear your voice, would hear your prodding, would not hear you know some crazy church saying, give us your money because, Lord Jesus, that is not our heart. Lord Jesus, you know our heart is to see people's lives changed here and outside these four walls. And Jesus, you tell us in your word that this is part of where change happens. We can look at the story of Zacchaeus, Lord. And he comes to you and he says, Lord, I I have robbed these people and I've given back to them more than what I've even taken away. And I'm going to give to the poor, Lord. And Jesus, you tell him that, that he is now following you. So Jesus, this is a starting point for some of us. And I pray, Lord, that we would take that step, that we would test you in this. With your eyes still bowed and your your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I want to ask you, is there anybody here this morning that you're saying, God, I want to test you with this? Is there anybody here this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, help us to test you in this. Lord, it's going to be hard sometimes. But Lord, help us to hang on to the truth of your word that you say you will bless us, that you will use us. And Jesus, help us to remember that you're using us to change all eternity by seeing people to come to know you, Jesus. So Jesus, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you challenge us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that convicts and encourages and comforts us in all things and for all those different things that I'm sure that happened here this morning. Jesus, please lead us on as your people, that we would be known as your people. And part of that, Lord, is to be a generous people, giving back what you have already blessed us with. And it's in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.